What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. This is The Secret Stories from the Underground. I hope you guys are all having a great day. Today on the show, I have my guest Joseph from Among War. We're going to sit down and talk about his podcast, his music career, and uh, maybe some things in between. Who knows where it's going to go? I don't, and I'm the host, so how are you supposed to know? Um... Real quick, before we get into things, of course, this podcast is brought to you by Nothing Productive Entertainment. Shout out to my Nothing Productive family. Go check them out on Facebook, social media, uh, whatever platform you like. Go check them out. And please, give this podcast a follow, uh, download it, what, whatever uh, makes podcasts popular. Please go and do it because, you know, your homie, your homie needs to pay his bills. So, uh, show me some love. Enough with my bullshit. Let's move on to the part of the show that everybody is looking forward to. Um, if we have technical technical difficulties, which I'm sure we're going to, um, just roll with the punches, okay? This is going to be a great interview. I feel it. And, uh, you know, don't miss out on it. So, here it is. My boy Joseph from Among War. Joseph, you there, buddy? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Hey. Yeah, how you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, I had just been a crazy day today with the kiddos and everything. So I was trying to get everything situated before coming home and being ready for the for the episode. But we were able to do it with 30 minutes to spare. <laughs> You still there? You hear me, bud? Oh, I can hear you now. Yeah. Ah, uh, sorry, man. For uh, for some reason, this app is giving me trouble today. It's the first time I've ever had this problem. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I just uh just got home, so uh had to make some arrangement for the kiddos, but we're good now. <laughs> right on, man. I appreciate you taking some time and doing this. Oh, thanks uh, for having me, man. Hey, no problem, man. So I was telling everybody, I already did an intro part. You're a fellow podcaster, a fellow musician. Um, I'm excited to talk to you today because I haven't had anybody uh, on from the music world yet on the podcast. Nice. So um, when did you uh, first get into all this? What, what came first, the music or the podcast? Um, I actually got into music way back when I was 14. I'm uh, 32 now, so I've been playing music for for a while. Um, I've always kind of wanted to be in the entertainment business uh, ever since I was a kid. Uh, growing up, I wanted to be an actor. I looked up to like Jim Carrey and stuff. And I think most people in my age group kind of in anybody who was into comedy looked up to Jim Carrey at that time. <laughs> um, Definitely. Actually the same age. So I uh, 100% agree with that. Oh, okay, cool. So then you also grew up during the Attitude Era, and, and I had my, my moments where I, I wanted to be a wrestler. When I remember uh, when Kane uh, first showed up, and he scared the crap out of me, and uh, I, oh, yeah. I, I totally wanted to do that. And then, you know, I started kind of finding myself in, in music around, I want to say around 10 or 11 years old is when I started to kind of start having my own outlook on music. I grew up in, um, you know, my, my, my family's 
uh, Mexican. So I had Tijano music playing and I'm from Texas. So Tijano's super huge here in Texas. So I had that and I had like Elvis and like old school rock and roll, old like outlaw country um, kind of in my family growing up. And then as I got a little bit older, I started spreading off and trying to find my own thing. And I got sucked into pop and hip hop when I was really, really young. And then around, I want to say 12, 13 years old, um, I heard um, Cold Chamber and I heard Loco by Cold Chamber. And that was the kind of my first introduction into like heavier music, darker music. And um, that's kind of when I decided like, whoa, you know, I want to I want to do this, you know. Um, So I got my bass at 14. Back in the day, we had a a music place here called Mars Music. Um, It's no longer here. It's now what we know as Sam Ash. Um, but they were having a, uh, basically a close down cell. So I begged my mom and I had been begging her a year prior to that. And she didn't want to really invest, you know, who wants to invest $400 minimum into a, uh, a 12 year old kid, you know, who wants to, who's, who's known for picking things up and putting them down a week later, you know? Uh, right. So I told her, I was like, look, they're having a sale. Can we just go in there and check it out and see? And at the time my mom was like, fine. She's like, you know what? I'd rather you um try to learn how to play music it it's gonna help keep you off the streets you know the, the let's do it because you know i grew up in a single family home a single parent home so uh she was afraid that i was gonna get involved with what was going on on the streets because we didn't live in the best neighborhoods when i was first growing up um so she took where did you grow up at i grew up in san antonio but i've i've been kind of all over oh, san nice. antonio so uh we lived uh i had a stepdad who couldn't hold a job so we moved constantly I spent a summer in San Antonio, so I uh, I know the city quite a bit, actually. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, so, yeah, sorry. didn't mean to cut you off there, but oh, that's no, no. your story no there. Uh, yeah, San Antonio is is it's my home, man. I, I moved to California for about two years, and um, I miss San Antonio so much that I had to come back. Um, I, I miss the people. There's it, it's, it's, it's a different it's a whole different universe here, man. Like uh, we take a lot of pride in our city and, and our food's great. So. Um, it, that's kind of what keeps me here. <laughs> the food is wonderful. I do love the food. Yeah, we have we have that whole Tex-Mex vibe, and 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 like being a Texan is just a whole another breed in its own. So it's it's definitely something that's ingrained in me. And as much as I want to leave, I, I I probably won't. I'll probably end up staying here. Um, but yeah, man, I got in the, the. She took me in. I found a bass. I got a my four string Brawley bass with active pickups. I didn't know what the hell I was getting. The day that I got it, I just got it because it looked cool. And funny enough, that bass is still my main go-to bass when it comes to recording, when it comes to doing shows. Um, it's it's my baby. And I've had many people try to buy it from me. Um, and I got lucky, man. I ended up getting something golden and I didn't know I didn't know what I was getting until later on in life. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what like uh what age do you think? think that you actually started like what was your first project did you play in a regular band like uh, in high school or anything funny thing so i got a bass started practicing on bass trying to learn how to play bass i had a a friend of mine who showed me how to read tabs and all that fun stuff and i went and i did what most teenagers do when they're trying to learn uh, an instrument i started learning you know easy songs and songs that i i that kind of inspired me to want to play music to begin with um and then I got a hold of some friends. The next step, you know, typically is you get a hold of some of your your buddies who also play, and you just said, "Hey, man, let's jam and see let's see if we can write some music." Right? Um, I think there's two avenues people end up taking. You either take the cover route, which um, you know some bands will will start out and they play covers to kind of 
find their sound and, and, and build that bridge with each other and, and get that, um, that tightness before they start writing original music. Cause that way they can kind of figure out what everybody's uh, influences are. Um, or there's the other one where it's just like you, you just get a bunch of friends together and say, Hey man, let's drink some beer and see what we can come up with. And, uh, that's the way I started. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically how we started. I had my mom's first house that she ever bought. Um, the owners before uh, us turned the garage into a bedroom. So that was automatically my my thing. That's what sold us on the house. So I had plenty of room to to jam. And the neighborhood that I lived in, uh, the neighbors were really cool. Um, the way that the uh, cops work in that area is they if they get called for a noise complaint, they go to the boundary that's set and then they have a decimal reader. And if you don't reach that decimal, they leave you the hell alone. And so uh, the people that we were bugging were like four or five houses down and the cops would go to their house, use the decimal reader. And it, you know, and the only reason why we knew about it was because a cop came and talked to us about it and said, hey, man, I'm just letting you guys know there are some neighbors in the neighborhood that don't agree with what y'all are doing, but there's nothing we can do about it. And he basically gave me all that information. And I was like, cool, well, we're just going to rock regardless because it got to a point where people were liking us anyway. And every time we would go out for smoke breaks, there'd be people standing out in the in, the, in my driveway just listening. And we would invite them in and, and whatnot. But funny thing is, I started playing bass. And in this band, uh, we had a, I had a friend uh, who I'm still friends with today. He's in other bands still, but he was a way better bass player than me. He was um, a Ryan Martini in, in my eyes. He was very um, creative and just his bass lines were very tasty. So I said, you know what? You play bass. I just bought this drum kit from a friend of mine who she was doing punk uh, shows and she decided not to play punk music anymore. And so she showed me, she sold me her kit for about 150 bucks and I bought it. It was a little five piece kit. And I said, you know what? I've always had a talent for making beats. So let me try my hand at drums. And we started jamming. And within that day we had wrote two songs. Um, and so we said, fuck it. Let's see what we can do with it. Let's let's just try to run with it, you know? And so my first band was in 2005. Uh, we were called Burning Winter. Um, there are some instrumentals out there on YouTube if, if you search hard enough. There is another band overseas named Burning Winter. Uh, that's not us. We were the original Burning Winter. Um, and uh, there we have some really crappy recordings out there on YouTube that uh, are just instrumentals. I had literally, literally been playing drums for like four months when we recorded those. Um, but those that band and those songs definitely have a a, a special part in my heart. Uh, I'll never forget about that experience because I did learn a lot. We did we did do a lot of touring. Um, we did play in front of record labels. You know, I got to experience all that stuff at a very very young age. Um, and sadly, it just didn't work. You know, different minds wanting to do different things, and uh, so we all went our separate ways. Uh, but it was, and I th I think a lot of it had to do with we were we were young kids playing old soul music. What I mean by that is the music was very eighties. It's very Iron Maiden, Dio kind of influenced mixed with uh, like the thrash metal in Finland, like the children of Bodom and Northern and stuff like that. So at that time, the scene was hardcore. So we kind of didn't fit in. <laughs> the only people that liked us were like bikers. Like when we played shows where bikers were at, they loved us. <laughs> You got like the Rob Hope looking guys out there in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, and then you always have that one guy in the back that's play some Slayer. You know, we always got that in the, yeah. at every show. But uh, I went from there. After that, I actually was able to get into a band as a bass player. Um, and 
that band recruited me because they had saw me as a drummer and they basically were like, I was very animated on stage and as a drummer, it kind of sucked. I hated being a drummer because I hated lugging my shit around and I couldn't be as animated as uh, everybody else on stage because I'm stuck behind, you know, a kit. So this band approached me and they were like, hey, man, you know, we have a band. We know you also play bass. Um, would you be willing to come and help us? you know, with our stuff. I'm like, sure, man. What, how many songs do y'all have? And they're like, we have one and it's not complete. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I have, you know, I've been practicing my writing chops. I have a few songs that I've written. Let's, uh, let's get together and see what happens. And that band ultimately became Among War. Um, so I wasn't the original member of the band. Um, I got pulled in as they were. I mean, I guess you could say I was the original member because they were still kind of putting the band together. Um, but they did have a, a set of guys prior to me coming in. And then I came in and I started doing most of the writing for Among War. Um, I think out of all the songs that we had, there was only one song that we wrote as a band, like in a jam setting. But for the most part, I was the primary brain behind it. And then they would just kind of throw in their ideas here and there. And that's how we kind of created music. Um, and I mean, even down to the point that I actually wrote the lyrics um, for some songs, or if my vocalist wrote the lyrics, he didn't quite know how to vocally put them into the melodies and stuff. So I would help him kind of um, navigate through that. Um, and so we played shows and everything and the band was doing well, just kind of fell off. Life got the best of us. You know, everybody had started having families and jobs that, you know, they had to devote most of their attention to. Um, and so the band just kind of stopped practicing. Um, and I had a bunch of new material that I was sitting on and we didn't have a band to, to, to practice it. So ultimately I kind of just put everything on the, on the shelf and just waited. And I waited till technology caught up. And now we're in a point where technology is finally catching up and it allows me to go back and do all the stuff that I wanted to do back in like 2007 and, and really couldn't. Um, so now, you know, I got a hold of the guys, talked to them. They said, Hey, you know, run with the name. Like you have our blessing. And so, um, I was able to run with the name and they know that the, the door is always open. If they ever want to learn the songs um, and, and help play live shows, then that, that, that door is always open for them. The, them tracks are amazing, man. I, uh, I checked out what you sent me from YouTube there and um, them are awesome. That, that is, did you write all of that material from the, the songs that I heard? Did you write all the guitar, all the drums and everything on that? Uh, those I did. Um, the drums on both of those tracks. So I have the, the first three tracks that I'm releasing publicly. I have another track that I'm going to be releasing this week. Um, all those tracks were written by me. They were recorded by a friend of mine because um, at the time I didn't have the means to record. So he actually recorded for me. And then he came, once he had the, the instrumentals done, he came over to my house and I laid down the vocal tracks. So the playing is done by someone else, but all the composing and, and written structure is done by me. So I basically used Guitar Pro. I tabbed everything out and then I sent it to him and then he recorded it for me. Um, and the reason why I did that with him is because he went to school for music theory and he's an amazing guitar player. So he's the only one that I trusted um, with my material to be able to convey um the message musically that i was trying to convey so he basically just told me yeah man you know uh, write it up you can send me the sheet music and i'll record it for you so he did that for me the drums on uh point the finger and on day of reckoning the two that you heard um they were edited by a friend of mine as well he's a uh, one of the I, I still think one of the best drummers in san antonio 
Um, he basically kept the meat and potatoes of the drums. He just added some really cool fills and stuff uh, for me and just kind of spruced it up. Um, so the skeleton of everything was done by me. And then they just kind of added a little bit of flavor. Um, the solo was written by another friend. The, one, the solo on Day of Reckoning was written by uh, a close friend of mine who was actually the guitar player from Burning Winter back in the day when I was a drummer. Um, I sent him um, the, the rhythm section. I was like, hey, man, can you slap a solo on it? And the funny thing about that solo, I don't know how much you like that solo, but that solo was literally written in five minutes. I'm not even kidding. I sent him the thing, and within five minutes, he sent me back that solo. <laughs> I, everything is amazing man I'll, I'll say the drum work is fantastic the guitar i i mean fucking shreds dude. you know it, it's really good music is this the first um well i know that you said that you had the other recording there but is this the first recording you've done kind of by yourself like uh, when you were with your other band, did you guys do mostly studio stuff or was that uh, we never uh, garage? Recordings? Yeah, we never had the, the, the money to really go to the studio. Burning Winter went to a studio. Um, shout out to Fifth Street Studios in Austin, Texas. They're amazing. Um, I don't know if they're still around, but I know they had they had a great setup. We recorded a, 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 tr a demo track in for Burning Winter way back in the day, but we never got vocals put on it and it never got mixed. Um, because it was our first time going in the studio, we we were totally dumb to how the process works, and we thought we could pull out doing eight tracks in a day, and that's totally not how recording sessions work. Um, and so, like, we have like a rough rough uh, instrumentals, um, and like I said, I put those on YouTube a long time ago, so they are on there. Um, the Among War stuff, we never had the money to actually go and record, um, so I have like live videos of some of the songs, like. Um, Point point the finger and day of reckoning are two songs that I wrote myself. So there's those are the only recordings of that for Among War. Um, if you search Among War, the band, the live band, you'll see me a very much younger me with long hair playing bass. Um, and those songs are going to be recreated. Um, I'm just re-recording them and adding uh, my own flair to them. They're gonna for the most part be the same, um, but they're gonna have added stuff you know we only had one guitar player at the time so not with me going back and recording them now i can add two guitars add some you know sick melodies and stuff like that um like uh rise from the ashes which is one song that you can find live um that song has been completely rewritten um so when i finally release that track it's not going to be how the original among war version of that was it's going to be completely new um and again it's also just because i want to show that i've grown as a musician over the years and also because technology is where it's at now, I really have the freedom to kind of really mess with things and manipulate things and make things sound um, the way I want them to. Nice, man. Yeah, no, it uh, technology has been such a blessing to musicians, man, because uh, things like Pro Tools and all them all the things now you can actually record at your house, at your house. You know, you don't have to pay big budget studio prices and all this anymore. If you know how to run some. Of this. Yeah. And if you listen to the, the, the recordings, man, like everything that you listen to was done in a house. Like is the, the, the vocals were recorded in my old closet at my old house. Um, the guitars were recorded with, um, I think he used, I don't remember what guitar program he used. I use uh, on the newer tracks that are going to be released. I use uh, Helix Native, which is a Line Six uh, guitar sim program. Um, but like he, I know he used a guitar sim for that, so he's not even like 
like miking up to an actual amp. He's using guitar sims. And the same thing with the drums. The drums, because we don't have the space to do acoustic drums, all that stuff's done on Superior Drummer. Um, so, I mean, it, the only people who really notice that are the people that have those keen ears and they know what they're looking for. Um, but for the most part, for your right. average listener, they're none the wiser. And I don't think it really hurts the product at the end of the day. I mean, it makes it, it, it sounds legit. And again, I, I've never been a tech guy. I've never been um, those tech nerds. Like I love those kind of guys, especially like when you start talking guitars and stuff like that, like those tech guys that know what they're talking about when it comes to the guitars by the wood and the weight and all that stuff. That's awesome. I've never been that guy. I've always just been going for, um, you know, I write stuff that, I, I want to hear stuff that I want to jam out to. And if, it, if, if I'm able to record it and get the message across with the tools that I have at my disposal, then that's all that matters to me. You know, I have a message that I want to get out and, um, you know, I, I try my best to do it in, in the best way possible. So when you get into the creating process of, of writing a new song, where do you start first? Typically, is it on the guitar, on the drums it depends. It really does. Um, I wish, and if somebody is listening to this, if you have the tech mind to do this, please create something that I can, please make a waterproof guitar. All my best ideas come while I'm in the shower, bro. Like every time I always <laughs> tell my wife, I'm like, all my best ideas come when I'm wet. Cause when I'm in the shower, it could be a, it could be a guitar riff. It could be a, a simple drum pattern. Um, it could be something that, you know, a spoken word that I want to try to turn into, you know, and then I add a melody to it. Um, there's there's no clear cut outline on how I write music. Um, every song is different. Uh, I typically like point the finger, uh, for example, that song just came from a personal place. Uh, I had wrote the lyrics out before the music ever came out. So when I wrote that song, it was about my stepdad. It was about, uh, you know, the dark past that I grew up with and relationship that I had with him. Um, but I wanted to write it in a way that it meant something to me on a personal level. But then you as the listener, when you listen to it, um, it may be able to trigger some of your own personal um, things that you've approached in life. And, and the song may sing differently to you or may speak to you differently. Um, that's always my goal. Um, and so with that song, you know, the idea of that song came from, you know, my past lyrically. And then funny enough, the riff itself. So that main riff, when it when it comes in heavy, when the, when um, the first verse actually comes in, because um, you have that whole opening section that's kind of soft. And then you have um, the section that just kind of has that, like, I guess, a breakdown feel. And then when you go into the actual main riff with the the what I like to call the snip, the slipknot version of vocals where, you know, the darkness falls upon my, and I start singing really fast. Um, that riff, yeah. funny enough, is my old cell phone number. That's how I came up with that riff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, did it, did it, the in between part, right before we go into the chorus, um, that's just the area code. So <laughs> if you could figure that out, that riff out, that is my old cell phone number. I no longer have that number anymore. That's why I'm sharing it with you now. Uh, but it, that's how I created that song. So it, it came from, yeah, that's it came awesome. from a personal place, uh, you know, vocally. And then I, I needed a, a rhythm section and guitar parts. So that's kind of where I, the, the guitar part came from. And then the drums just kind of followed. Um, so in short, to answer your question, it, it just depends in what kind of mood I am. A lot of times I, I will sit down and play guitar and the majority of my songs will come out of a guitar riff. 
Um, but the, the, the challenge for me is taking that guitar riff and understanding what that riff is and then trying to find the emotional tie to that riff so I can create something that's more than just a song. I want to create a vibe. I want to create an atmosphere. Um, so I want my lyrics and my music both to kind of um, correlate with each other and complement each other. That's awesome, man. I, I love the cell phone thing. That uh, I got to say, that's really creative <laughs> there. Um, so when you're... Do you uh, do you ever find yourself because I know as a songwriter, like the one thing that pisses me off the most is it seems like I get the best idea for a song when I'm driving. Do you ever get that yes, happen to you? I used to get that, too. I used to work a lot of overnight jobs and I worked in the freezer uh, for one of my jobs. And the best thing for that, dude, is to literally um, have your phone. And I, I don't condone being on your phone while you drive. But if you have if you have a record <laughs> a recorder that you can set on your main screen that you can touch really quickly and start recording, um, I have a lot of ideas that turn into songs based off of the same situation. Being in a situation where I don't have the the means to write it down, so what I literally do is just I'll mouth it. So if I have a riff that's like da 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 da, I just do that on my phone and then save it for later. And then when I get home, just figure it out on guitar. <laughs> But yes, I, that hits me all the time That's, and it, uh, it comes at the worst times and my wife gets very upset because she'll see me air drum that shit too. Like where she's trying to have a conversation with me and I'm <laughs> air drumming or I'm hitting my chest with my hands. So she's like, can you stop for two seconds and just listen to what I have to say? I, we, we, you know, and it's always something important like a kid's doctor's appointment or something like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, I know, I know what I married when I married it. So I got to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, mine uh mine does the same thing. She doesn't think that you know my my entertainment is so important all the time, you know, and then I remind her, you know. <laughs> it helps pay the bills, damn it. So Yeah, know. and see and that's one of the things that I was telling my wife and I mentioned I've I've mentioned before uh publicly that I'm kind of glad that I never got signed back in the day. Like I had opportunities and I'm kind of glad I never took those opportunities. Um, because I was very naive. I was, um, I was very green, man. I, I could have been taken advantage of very, very easily. And now growing up and kind of experiencing things and, you know, I've been in multiple bands past, you know, the Among War days. I, 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 I was a base for hire for a few bands. And then, you know, seeing the business side of, of, of band stuff and doing live shows and actually getting paid for them and, and, you know, getting paid for what you're worth that was an eye-opening experience for me um too too often young bands out there get get taken advantage of and if you're a young band listening now like don't let that shit slide man don't do don't work for free um don't let promoters try to you know guilt you into well it's for exposure or you know stuff we used to get that so bad here in san antonio and i've been out of the scene for a while so i don't know if that's still going on but we had a lot of shitty promoters doing that stuff and um it was it was rough man and uh you know, i learned i learned the hard way but like i said i'm glad i didn't didn't go the route of getting signed and getting screwed that way and and possibly losing hundreds of thousands of dollars you know <laughs> yeah sorry man my attack dogs are going off i'm not sure if you can oh, hear no them but uh, 
the the thing is with getting a deal these days, man, is it's not what people think it is. You know, uh, back in the day when you got a deal, people, you know, assumed that you instantly made a billion dollars and, you know, life was great. Nowadays, you know, these companies, they don't really have the money they used to. And they don't throw the money at you like they used to. Oh, yeah. you. I mean, you can And live, um, most of the time. You can definitely live off of it, but it's not. They will, yeah, it's uh, definitely not like how it was even like around the 90s and early 2000s. It's definitely changed. Uh, you know, promoters and labels are struggling. The, the, in, my, uh, in my opinion, the workload kind of changed, though, for the artists. You know, the money's gone down and the work has gone up because now now to make money, man, you have to tour double the amount. You know, it, it, that's where really the money's at is in the tour because albums don't make money like mm-hmm. they used to. It, it's a shame because making an album is just as hard. You know, it's, it's still time-consuming. It's still hard work, just like it was back in the day. But because of the digital age, you know, you got people that'll go buy a single, they'll go buy that. But the, the hard copy thing is like, it's a thing of the past. I still love having hard copies. You know, I love having the old school CDs and all that. But um, the younger age of people that, that's fallen off with, you know, like our last album that we made, we didn't even uh, print any copies. We just, you know, put it on iTunes because the album before that, that's where all of our sales came from. Basically. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny. You, you know, that so like the, the hard copy. Yeah, hard. It's funny you mention that. Cause that's, that's basically the, the, the structure that I'm kind of running with now. Um, I was, I, I, I've done a couple of interviews where I've talked about this and, you know, when I first had the idea, I kind of was a little on the fence about it. But the more I talk about it and the more I talk to people about it, um, it just seems to to make sense to me. And that's, you know, I don't really have with the Among War stuff. I don't really have the mindset to make albums as much as I would love to make a concept album. And and I would love to do all that stuff and, and do all the printing and, and make, you know, to have a physical copy, you know, again, you're the same age as me. You You, you remember what it was like to go to a record store and find an album and either like you just bought it off of the album art or the anticipation of one of your favorite bands coming out with something and going to the store and getting uh, it. it that it was exciting man it was exciting it was like going to a video store and running a movie yeah you know is <laughs> one of the just nerdy things that you got yeah, excited and, and about the younger generation doesn't won't be able to experience that nor do they have the attention span for it anymore so I've definitely, you know, right. I've made the choice to that's all I'm releasing is I'm releasing singles. I'm releasing my songs as singles. Um, and it, it's it's going to do one or two things. It's either going to benefit me or it's going to be detrimental to my my success as a, as a musician. But at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I write music that I want to jam to. Um, I write music for myself. Uh, I share it with people to try to find like minded individuals. And if you like my stuff, awesome you know, I, I'm glad you enjoyed. If not, you know, then that's cool too. Like it's, it, I'm, I know that I'm not going to appease everybody. And so for me, releasing singles, I feel like it allows me to, um, I have a problem with procrastination. So everything that I'm building right now with the podcast, with the music, uh, with my t-shirts, like everything that I'm doing, like I'm about to help my, my wife launch a makeup line soon. So everything that I'm doing I, I try to find out how I can fold it into another business endeavor that I'm doing. 
Um, so like my, my singles are kind of the same way. I know that I probably won't make a lot of money on album sales. Um, so my, my fall to would be, you know, merch sales and then of course playing shows, um, which I'm not looking to come out ahead. I'm looking to kind of break even just because I want to play shows just for myself. Like I, I miss it. I'm not addicted to drugs. Uh, I don't, I rarely drink. Um, the only bad habit I had was smoking cigarettes and I quit that when my daughter was born, uh, almost five years ago. So my only drug, thanks, man. You, yeah, man. And, you know, that, that, that's a whole topic on itself too. Like that actually wasn't as hard as people make it out to be how I thought it was going to be to quit. Um, I think it was more of just like, it was a mental thing. I didn't want to do it no more. And I told myself that I wasn't going to do it no more. And so when my, I had a reason to stop when my daughter was born, that was my reason. And it actually was fairly easy for me to quit smoking. Um, but yeah, man, with the, with the music, um, you know, I, I miss being on stage. I, I really miss it. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the narcissism in me and, and my egocentric personality. I'm an extrovert. So maybe that's, that's part of it. But, um, you know, you were asking me before we started the episode about, you know, what kind what name do I go by? And I told you just to use my real name. Uh, Cause I do eventually will have a stage name. You know, um, I, I plan on having a whole stage show. Uh, our band members are going to be, you know, characters and, and uh, you know, I, but I have to be able to have the finances to, to support that. You know, I, I want to be able to pay my musicians to play, um, you know, and I want to be able to pay to have the costumes and to have that stage show. Um, so it, I, it's not, it's a goal, but it's not one of the, the more recent goals that I have. I have a lot more smaller goals. That's going to eventually lead to that. Um, now, if I get an audience big enough to where they start demanding they want physical copies, then maybe I'll look into it. But for now, I think I'm just going to the singles. Um, it saves me money in the long run, too. Like I said, as much as I would love to have a physical copy, that stuff gets expensive. Uh, and I mean, you're in a band, you know, making yeah. even an EP is it, 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 it. The band definitely takes a hit financially. We uh, we just re- released a, a five song EP, dude. And yeah, it cost us some money you know we worked with a great studio we had ivan depume from uh white zombie he he did the mastering for us nice and it turned out great but yeah dude i mean people don't realize when you're independently doing this man how much money this shit fucking takes to make it happen you know and that's like when people ask for a free cd man it's like shit you know (laughs) this definitely wasn't free to make you know (laughs) Yeah, it's almost to the point now where I feel like bands are going to start getting to the point where they're going to start having like GoFundMe stuff. Like, if you want this done, you know, you're going to have to, you guys are going to have to put your, your money where your mouth is pretty much. Cause I know bands here in San Antonio where, you know, fans want hoodies and they, the band has just said, look, listen, you know, hoodies are expensive. Um, you know, we have our shirt designs. If you want hoodies, uh, we're going to have to take a head count and, if we can reach the the amount of what it would cost to get the minimum amount made, then we'll get it. We'll we'll do a print run. But if we can't, you know, sorry, you know, and it's it, it sucks that it has to be that way. But I mean, a lot of people I don't think that are outside of the realm of being in and in, in bands and doing music. They don't understand that you know it's it's an expensive passion to have. It's it's not cheap, um, and I think that's one of the things that my wife really is starting to find out. You know. Uh, the good thing is a lot of the gear that I use now, you know, I, I've I've accumulated over time, um, you know, but I have a lot of hobbies, man. I'm into comic books. I, I'm into guns. I'm into music. I'm into Magic the Gathering, you know, so I have a lot of expensive hobbies and 
trying to di- you know divvy up my money to fit all of those things uh it, it it's definitely uh <laughs> i have to separate my investments from my pleasure for sure yeah you know and for people that get mad about you know it being this way you know when when you say you want a hoodie actually buy the damn hoodie when the band gets exactly. it printed you know that's the thing is you know you get the get these printed you know you go buy 40 hoodies and 10 people bought them that said that they yeah. wanted and you have you had like yeah, you know five and, people asking for them and only 10 bought them and you're just like where are the rest of you guys at <laughs> yeah this this financially cripples bands because they eat that you know and they don't they don't understand it you know it's part of the business that people just kind of don't well, get. The, the cool thing about like again technology the cool thing about that is like if i mean we're gonna get into merch one of the things that i've done like i said i try to find every avenue i can to to, to cut corners financially right so i don't want to cut corners when it comes to my product you know i want my product to be the best it can be um but when it comes to where i can cut costs that's where you have my attention and so for me um, I do pod, uh, uh, which just stands for print on demand. And um, I literally have not only my podcast merchandise, but I have the Among War merchandise um, exclusively on a pod website. So the cool thing about that is I use Teespring uh, for them and I created the designs myself. I, I upload them onto their website. And basically, if somebody wanted to support me, as of right now, because again, I, I don't do shows. So until I have shows, when I start doing shows, I'll have to have physical merchandise. But for right now, you know, people can go to that link. They can buy the the shirt, the hoodie, the sticker, the mug, whatever it is that they want. And it gets shipped to them via the company. And the company basically just sends me a, uh, my portion of the profit. So they take out their their profit that costs for them to actually make the, the, the item. And then they send me my cut. And I can... I can I can basically price it however I want. So they tell you what the price, it, what their price is going to be, uh, the cost for materials and stuff. And then they, however you price it, then they, they'll tell you, okay, well, if you price it for, you know, $19.99, here's your profit margin. You know what I mean? So you can definitely move it around. They have different styles of t-shirts that you can use, uh, you know, better quality ones, which cost more, which will up the price of your initial t-shirt. But I use that for right now. Um, and it, it takes away the headache of one, trying to find a printing place that's local that gives me a great product right two it saves me inventory space so i have no inventory i don't have to worry about that and with me living in a one-bedroom apartment with two kids a wife and a dog i i I need that right now um you know so it's 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 a great option for bands um for the moment now the reason why i say it's 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 i don't wouldn't see it as a permanent option but it's definitely great for bands who are starting out who don't have the finances who are looking to try to make some money uh, selling a product to get them to get the ball rolling. Basically, um, my ultimate goal is I eventually I'm gonna start buying T-shirt presses that I can do myself at the house. And the moment I'm able to start doing this stuff myself, then now you know, and then I'll have my inventory. I'll be now be creating all the merchandise myself, um, and then I can have a website and I can do it that way. That's my ultimate goal um, because I also have uh, a few brands that I'm also building that I have on Teespring, that I have on Redbubble at the moment. But my ultimate goal is to eventually pull those off of there um, and then do it myself and run it through my own website. Um, Because again, my profit margin will increase when I do it that way. Um, So technology has made it very easy for people to be able to do things uh, simply and 
fairly cheap. It's just, I don't think a lot of people know about a lot of these things. Um, so they definitely have to do their research. But for bands starting out, I think pod uh, print-on-demand forums are a perfect outlet to get started because they offer so much stuff, man. They do uh, the websites. You can set up your own little private store and you can your stores basically through their their website and then you can just you can have a banner and a background you can do it all yourself and you can make it look so legit um you know and then just sell away and then just it's almost that like set it forget it type of mentality you just send people to that link um and then boom they buy the shirt it gets sent to them and then they just send you the money when when uh the shirt's delivered <laughs> that's awesome man yeah i'll have to look into that because i don't think i've ever heard of them before so yeah the the, the big main ones that the three main ones right now are teespring redbubble and print on uh demand by uh i think i think it's called print on print by amazon or something i know amazon has their own version too um amazon's a little harder to get onto um amazon's more for people who are trying to be you know sellers uh who are just creating t-shirts um not like a brand specific um because they only you you have to apply for it and then after you apply for it you can only put up 10 designs and then once you hit a threshold of sales, then they open you up to more versus someone like Teespring. I like Teespring because you can do your own storefront um, and it's separate from all your other. So like in Teespring, I have multiple storefronts. Uh, I have, you know, a set for my my podcast, a set for my, my band stuff. I have uh, a set for two of the brands that I'm trying to create. Another one that just has like funny shirts in it that I've, I've designed. Um, and so you can literally have that one storefront. So if you if you link somebody to it, they're only seeing that and they're not seeing all the other stuff that you've created. Um, so it's, it, it definitely keeps it organized and keeps it easy for people to just go to that and, and buy the stuff. And like I said, they, they have a bunch of options, hoodies, T-shirts. You can you can change the quality of it so you can get like a normal classic tee or you can do a premium tee that has, you know, different material in the T-shirt that makes it you know softer to the touch and thicker and stuff like that. So yeah, there again, those options are there, and I think just a lot of people um, either are like us, we're 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 becoming the old generation, and we're not. It's hard for us to keep up with the revolving door of of new stuff that comes on the internet, you know. Um, but for the younger generation, you know, just just do your research too, man. Just dig, 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 and you can find all kinds of crazy stuff. I learned a lot from YouTube, man. I learned all the editing and. My video editing, my my audio editing, um, all the podcast stuff, all that stuff was learned by just watching YouTube videos, man. <laughs> it's nuts to think that we're becoming the old generation. Now, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the first time I heard my it's, radio uh, station refer to classic rock and they started playing Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana, I was like, holy shit, I'm <laughs> old. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah, I, um, give me a Yeah, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not that yeah. old. I mean, granted, I'm starting to get gray hair now, but Jesus, my body is not starting to break down just yet. Right, you know? <laughs> uh, so, moving over to the podcasting, man, how long have you been in the podcast game? I've been in the podcast game originally since about 2017, I want to say. Um, oh, I did do a show. Um, my new show is new. Like the, the, my solo podcast, I launched that in October of last year, 2020. Um, but before that I was in a, I was doing a, a co-host podcast with a friend of mine 
um, called Mind at Large. I don't know if he's still doing it, uh, but I know you can check it. If you search up Mind at Large, you can find that podcast. Um, I co-hosted for a while on that show. Um, and then we just ultimately had different ideas of where we kind of wanted to take our, our futures with, with entertainment. And we just kind of went our separate ways. And like I said, I think he's still doing it. Excuse me. I think he's still doing it. He's just, um, he's just kind of taking his time with it. Um, he's not of, uh, he's not as aggressive business wise as I am on things. Um, but definitely check it out. Like we, we had a lot of fun doing that and that came out of us just, we had the, the conversations that you're going to hear on those were conversations that we had just on a normal basis. He would come to my house once a week and we'd talk for like eight or nine hours. And my wife was like, what are y'all talking about? And we, you know, I, I passed the idea to him. I was like, instead of trying to explain to our girlfriends what we're talking about, why don't we just record them and, and put them out there? And, and that way we can be like, here, this is what we talk about, you know? <laughs> and after I left that podcast, you know, I, I felt kind of a hole in, in, in me and I felt kind of empty. And I was like, man, I, I kind of want to get back on doing that again. Um, and at the time I was relying on other people to, to record my stuff. And, you know, I, it just, I, I got tired of relying on others. And so I wanted to do things on my own. And I had, at that time I had already kind of dipped my toes in actually recording music, but I didn't know how to mix. I didn't know how to master. Um, and so I started kind of experimenting with it. And then I started thinking about, you know what, you know, I think what would really help sharpen my, my talons on it is let me do a podcast. Um, you know, and I've had a couple friends tell me, you know, you have the characteristics of you could do a podcast by yourself and, you know, you, you could get, you could pull it off because you're not shy and, and you're not afraid to, to share your opinion. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. So I went into it originally thinking, you know, I was just going to basically do kind of a Bill Burr Monday morning podcast type thing where I just kind of ramble and, and, you know, talk about my opinion and, and kind of bitch moan and groan about, about certain things. And then it kind of just evolved into this thing of wanting to be, I want to spread positivity. I, I want to take away, uh, especially nowadays with like the, the political climate being the way it is and just society in general, there's a lot of hate floating around and I kind of want to, um, you know, battle that negativity with positivity. And so that's kind of where the podcast has, has kind of started to take its form. And I do monologues um, and those monologues are meant to kind of self-motivate. Um, and then hopefully also it triggers something within the listener to um, self-reflect. Um, and then now I'm starting to get guests. You know, I started, I'm doing the circuit right now, being a guest on people's podcasts. And then I kind of return the favor. And if people want to come and do an episode on my podcast, they're more than welcome to come do that. And I'm starting to reach out to like a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs. And so like the podcast is slowly kind of morphing into this uh, motivation, positive, non-judgment, open discussion type forum. And um, I kind of, you know, I, I'm loving it and I want to keep it that way. Um, and so that that's pretty much what the cognitive discourse is. is it's just a place where you can share your ideas. Um, we don't have to agree with each other. Um, and we can just talk and find common ground and we can agree to disagree. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't want to have hate in my heart, man. I'm getting too old. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm over, you know, arguing with people. I'm over, I'm holding grudges, you know, and like, it's funny because here publicly, I, I literally went publicly on my Facebook and recently just kind of made a public apology. Like, hey, man, if if I've ever, if you think that I've ever done you wrong, or if I've ever hurt your feelings, or if I've ever said something that you didn't dis disagreed with, or if I ever came off a certain way, you know, I apologize. Um, at the end of the day, I, I hold no hate in my heart. And 
I just want to uh, move forward in life and and try to focus on the positive and forget about the negative. I want to bring more positivity to my to my own personal universe. You know, I wish more people would do that, man, because I, I do agree. We definitely are living in a very hateful time. And it's sad, man, because. You know, everything that we've we've gone through with this pandemic and everything, you know, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, it's pushed us further apart. But within our souls, man, we should be closer than ever. And we're just still not there, you know, just. Well, I think one of the, the positive things that has come out of this pandemic, honestly, is I think a lot of people have gotten bitter and jaded over the years just because a lot of us get sucked into life we wake up we go to work we come home and we watch we 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 shut our brains off we watch tv we go to sleep and then we wake up and do the same thing over and over we're literally working just to support ourselves and nobody's able to really go after what they're passionate about um and you know i see that mindset in my mom you know i grew up in a poor family and poor people tend to grow up with this mentality of well i can't afford it and it's just they have these these it's not wrong but it's it's a different mindset and the moment you learn to trigger that mindset switch and change the way you think and start going after things that you want to go after and start pursuing your passions um you're always going to remain miserable until you, until you're able to do that and one of the positive things that i think the pandemic has brought is it's it's brought free time it's allowed people to take the opportunity. And again, not everybody takes that opportunity, but for the majority of people who are sitting at home, they're getting bored. You're seeing an influx in podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that are, that are, you know, popping up. You're seeing an influx of YouTubers popping up. Um, you know, musicians, people are, are going after their passions because they have the free time. Now, you know, you can't work cities are shut down. So what are you going to do with your free time? You can go to sleep. You can play video games and watch TV all day. You know, you could piss it away. You could piss that opportunity away, or you could go after something that you like. And my mom's a perfect example. My mom's 60. I think she just turned 69 years old this, this, this last month. And, you know, I always used to tell her like, look, you're retired. You know what? You don't have to work anymore. You don't have to clock in. What do you want to do with your life? Like, what are you passionate about? What is something that you love to do? And it was a hard question for her. My mom's been a workhorse her entire life. You know, she started working at the age of six. Um, you know, my my family, I come from, on my mom's side, I come from a family of, of 11. I have a lot of aunts and uncles. You know, I used to always joke because I was like, man, my grandparents were bored. They didn't have television back then. So they were popping out kids left and right. But my, <laughs> my granddad, you know, he basically told the kids like, hey, we have you guys because we need workers. So at six years old, if you were a girl, you were in the kitchen with my grandma prepping food. And when I'm saying prepping food, I'm talking like my family's old school. My my mom knows how to slaughter a pig. My mom knows how to cook chickens. Like she can go and grab you a chicken off the field and she can pluck it and, and prep it and get, get it from, from farm to table like right away. And Damn. they know how to cook cow and stuff, you know, like from scratch. So, you know, at four, my mom was doing that. And then at six years old, no, sorry. It was at six. She was doing that. And then I think it was at like seven or eight. You had the choice that you could either stay in the kitchen or you go out into the field with the boys and pick cotton. And, uh, you know, so my mom's been, and of course my mom's always had this like uh, girl power mentality of like, you know, whatever they can do, I can do better. So she was out in the cotton fields proving herself with the, with the boys. 
So, you know, my mom never got that free time to, to just kind of sit down and, and, and reflect and find out what she's passionate about and what she likes to do. And, you know, she almost tricked herself into thinking, well, no, working, that's what I like to do. It's like, no, 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 no. That's what you, you've been conditioned to think. Like, what is it that you actually like to do? And I'm proud because now she's getting into making reefs. Like, that's what she likes. So she goes and she's getting into a lot of artsy stuff, drawing and, and making reefs and making, you know, door hangers and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and uh, you know, my daughters, she watches my daughter and my son a lot and, and they're taking part in that. So they're, they're starting to kind of dip into their creative uh, part of their brain. And so I really like that. And so thinking about that and reflecting back, I'm like, man, yes, the pandemic sucks. Yes. It's it's a it's a thing that that really hurt a lot of people and, um, you know. But I, again, I'm always trying to find that silver lining. And if you know, if you can take the time and make it work in your favor, I definitely think that will calm a lot of the anger, the hatred, the jadedness in individuals. Because then you won't have time to hate on other people. You won't have time to be jaded because you're going to be taking that energy and focusing on something positive. And you're creating something. The 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 and you're a musician, so you understand the the joy that you get out of creating something out of nothing is no money could ever buy that 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 right. feeling. Definitely, it's an amazing feeling. And I I totally agree with what you were saying about this kind of re-putting perspective back into life. Like you know, January and February of 2020, man, I was burnt out. We had a a hard run uh, where our band wasn't getting along, you know, doing shows and everything. And then the world kind of shut down and I was like, what the fuck, you know, what's going to happen here? I kind of felt like we were going to be done. And then through this, you know, I mean, uh, things are better than ever. We put out an EP, you know, and, and all that, you know, we've continued to, to branch off, you know, and it, Looking back, you know, last year, you know, as much as I want to get back on a stage, I really wasn't appreciating it. And the next Mm -hmm. time I get on a stage, I'll definitely, I know I'm going to appreciate it because I miss it so much, you know? Oh, man, I, the amount of shows that I am willing to go to when the country fully opens up, you have no idea. People like, and I want to take people that have never been to shows. And there's a reason for it. Because I'm going to be like, bro, these people live for the stage they may have been burnt out but they haven't been able to play for a fucking year every show is going to be epic these people are dying for it so we just go to every show you possibly can because you're gonna and now that you'll be able to see which bands are super passionate about what they're doing because doing a whole year without being able to play and then now you're allowed to dude shows are going to be so epic i i can't wait like I'm, i'm excited for it what was your first concert Oh man, I got to dip into my old memory here. Uh, I believe my first show, like first big show. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was System of a Down. It was System of a Down, Mars Volta, and the opening band was. Uh, it was some. Their name was like Jerk Off or something. Some crazy punk, like just crazy band i don't even remember the name of them but i remember i went to go see system of a down and it was the first time that i had heard mars volta and um that show it was at the at&t center and so it was it was you know an, an arena show um that was my first experience into um like a rock show 
Yeah, that's a killer lineup, man. What year would that have been? Do you oh, remember? Oh, man. Uh, that was probably, and I know somebody that, that's listening to this is screaming at the radio right now, but I want to say that was probably like, it was early, I know it was early 2000s. I want to say probably like somewhere in the 2005, six range, somewhere around there. I, I it was when System of Down was really popping off. Um, when did uh? Do you remember when that BYOB song came out? I think like 2005, maybe six. Yeah, I don't. It was it, it was that tour. It was because they were they were promoting that album. So it was that it was that nice. tour that that we saw. Um, but if we're gonna go with the best show that I've been to yet, I haven't been to a lot of big shows. But if I have to pick my favorite show, um, man, there's a clear cut winner, but there's a very close second. So my my clear cut clear cut winner is going to be the time that I went and saw Dillinger Escape Plan. It was their last show. It was the last tour that they were doing. So I got to see Dillinger. Um, the very close second is I got to see Sixth. Um, they're a band from the UK and, um, that show, the reason why that show was awesome was they were, uh, the, the, the headliner was periphery, which I've never really been a huge fan of periphery, but I went to go see sixth and the two bands that were there, the third band I didn't know was going to be there. And I'm a huge fan of, which was Chon. Um, they're an instrumental band and, uh, they opened the show and I was like, holy shit, this band's here too. My friend's like, yeah, you didn't know they were playing? I was like, fuck no, this show just got way better because I got to see Chon and Sixth. Um, and I was going there just for Sixth. So that, that's a close second. But Dillinger, man, just stage presence and the, the crowd that they have is just insane, man. So that would probably be my, my favorite show that I've ever been to. Romstein was really good too. Uh, but but Dillinger, man, that they, they capped it for me, man, for real. Like that no other band has been able to to bring the energy that those those guys brung. And I almost felt like I was going to have a freaking seizure at that show. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, Ramstein is on my list. Uh, I've never gotten a chance to see them, but they are definitely a bucket list band for me. They they put on a they they live for that. Like, oh, and that's what when I said I'm trying to create a stage show. That's what I'm going for. They definitely um, they they make it worth your you're wild when you go you you leave there and you're like hell yeah you know i i i got my money's worth um a show that another show that was really great um you know rest in peace to alexi leho but children of bodom always killed it every time i went and saw them they always killed it yeah that's another band man that i really wish i would have gotten a chance to see that's that was another band that i just missed out on every time yeah, those guys were really cool. I got to see them with uh, Trivium and Amana Marth, and that that was a fucking awesome show. The only the only reason why that doesn't make it in my top list is because the fucking AC was broken where we were playing, and uh, I missed like half a Trivium set because I uh, ended up passing out um, from dehydration. And uh, by the time Bodum came on, they were headlining. By the time they came on, the crowd was kind of they were. They were dead, but not because they didn't want to see Bodum, but just everybody was freaking dehydrated. So uh, Alexi was literally throwing water bottles into the crowd like, hey, man, y'all drink up. We need y'all back. Like, come back to us. Come back to us. You know, because <laughs> the inner energy level had, had dropped. But they put on an amazing show, man. Their keyboard players. Ah, he's he's my favorite part of that band. That dude is fun to watch. 
we uh we got a, a, an offer to open for trivium and it didn't work out man and i was so pissed because i was a huge trivium fan uh pretty much since like right after high school i i really got into them and uh those guys are super nice too man you guys would have had a blast i i passed out i got i had to get carried to the stage and i when i passed out I fell on the, the, the other guitarist, uh, uh, the dude with the long black hair. Um, I fell on him and he grabbed me. He's like, Hey bro, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks man. And he's like, all right, man. He's, and the way the stage was set up, there's a ramp on the, on far right stage. And he started walking me to the state, to that ramp fucking security, man. They grabbed me and threw me down the ramp and he, he defended me. He's like, dude, what the fuck's your problem, man? Like, don't be throwing people around. And, uh, you know, he did that security guard got, got his ass chewed out by that guitar player. And, you know, after that, I was like, man, those dudes are fucking cool as shit. Like that guy defended me. He didn't have to. And he, he totally defended me. He had one of his uh, his roadies walk me over to the bar and get me a bottle of water. And so I I, I was never a huge fan of Trivium uh, musically. I just and it's not that I, I, I dislike their music. I just never took the time to really listen to their music. Uh, but they put on a great live performance. And like I said, they're cool people. So they're cool in my book. What is uh what's the coolest like bigger musician that you've ever gotten the opportunity to meet or hang out with? Um okay, I'm going to make this a two-part answer and I want to start by saying the biggest dicks that I've ever ran into were dope. Uh, Fuck yeah. those guys. Fuck dope. Who? Dope. Oh, dope, really? Fuck huh. those guys. All right. And I and I say that and I'll say that to the day I die. Fuck those guys. I almost got into a fight with one of them uh when I was like 17, so fuck them. Um, so short story on that is we were, we open and it, it, my, the people, the reason why I'm saying this is because the people that I, the the best conversation I ever had with the band was on that same fucking show. So our band was opening and it was kind of like a festival style thing. We had, there were two stages. And so there were a bunch of local bands and then there were, I think three or four national acts and then dope was the headliner. So it was like a all weekend thing, I believe. And, uh, we were playing on the main day. Well, as we're loading in our gear, all the local bands had to be there early. So we were loading in our gear. And my mom has been my biggest fan since, you know, I started doing this. My mom has always had my back. And she's in both of these stories that I'm about to tell. So she's walking. She's helping us load. And she, the tour bus that Dope is on uh, is we're literally parked right in front of it. So we're unloading. And one of the members from Dope comes out. And I don't even remember who it was. Um but he comes out, he opens the door, and he's smoking a cigarette. And my mom is is very, she's very much like me. She's very talkative. She's very friendly. And she's just looking at the bus. She's like, wow, like, that's cool, you know. And at the time, she's living the same dream that I'm living. You know, I'm 17 years old. I'm, I'm wanting to be this big, famous musician. My mom never really got to see that up close. And here we have a band that's semi-successful, and, you know, they have this awesome tour bus. So my mom just looks at him and goes, hey, man, what would something like this run? Like, this is a really nice bus. What, what does something like that cost? And as I'm walking by, he looks at my mom dead in the eyes, takes a puff of, a puff of his cigarette and says, more than you could ever afford, lady. Flicks his cigarette and starts to walk back to the bus. Oh, what a dick. So I, I, and I love my bass. I dropped my bass. It was in a case, thank God. And I was like, what the fuck did you say? And he looked at me and he laughed. I'm like, bro, dude, all she did was ask you a question. Don't disrespect my mom like that. Like, what the fuck is your problem? And he's like, Haha, yeah, right. All right. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? I was like, come back out here, bro. Why are you running away, you pussy? 
And he walked up into his bus and closed the doors. So ever since then, I was like, fuck that band. Fuck those guys. Yeah, I don't blame I, I don't blame you, man. Fuck them. And, and and I don't even care if if that gets me in trouble for saying that, but that's just a band that I've I've never had I'd never had love for. And it sucks because I had their albums. I was a fan of theirs. And if anything, it was it was a, a rude awakening for me. And this is why I try to be as genuine and as nice as I can to everybody that I meet, because you never know when you might run into those people again. You never know when those people may be people that you want to connect with later in life. So you always try oh, to respect. And um, definitely. And, you know, the thing also to keep in mind is them guys have kind of worked their way out of the business and an attitude like that is probably, you know, how you get how you get there. Yep, so. It definitely explains why they're not bigger than they could be. Uh, but one, right. of, one of the best interactions I had was um, on that same show. <laughs> um, in my whole, whole music career, I've had two really good interactions. One was with Flaw, because we opened for Flaw a few times. Those guys are super awesome. The drummer's super cool. He takes his dad on tour, by the way. Um, they go in a little camper, and his dad goes on tour with them. So just fun fact. I got to meet his dad, and they're really cool. But That's awesome. this particular show, the dope show that, that happened, that, that interaction for me um, was with, um, oh, man. It was the drummer from Bleed the Sky and the vocalist of mantis which was the band that was on the uh, road to ozfest mtv show or battle of ozfest whatever that show was called back in the day okay all right yeah i remember them yeah their vocalist um mantis was was on that tour and the drummer from bleed the sky so mantis and and the drummer from bleed the sky they were outside i don't can't remember the names so sorry guys (laughs) don't remember your names but they were out there and we were backstage and um they were the first band that i noticed to um, just be yourself. Like when you talk to famous people, just be yourself. Um, I and I say this because I saw the fandom of other bands. Like they were f- basically fanboying over these guys, and they kind of weren't paying any attention to them um, because they 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 see that every day, they hear that every day. So the conversation I was having with them, I was just shooting the shit with them. I was just treating them like normal dudes, and because of that, they were they were very open with me they were they were definitely more open to talk to me than they were with the fanboys and um the conversation that i'll never forget the main part of that conversation i'll never forget is we were talking and i had mentioned the whole dope thing and he's like man don't let that bother you bro like we have to tour with these guys don't even worry about it (laughs) and he's just basically like and i told him the situation with my mom and he's like yeah don't worry about that bro it happens he's like but your mom's here i was like yeah man and uh he's like that's cool. He's like, so does she go to all your shows? I was like, bro, she's been to every single one. Even when we go on the road, for the most part, she's been to about 85% of my shows, even the tour shows. There's a few she couldn't make, but uh, she was there in memory. But she, she's definitely my number one fan. And, and uh, you know, she's, she's willing to do whatever it takes to, to help her son get to where he wants to get. And she's never, she never uh, talked bad about any of my dreams. And, and for that, I'm thankful. And he kind of got teary-eyed and he goes, man, I want to meet your mom. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go get her. And I went and got her and I, I brought her over to him. And he gave my mom a huge hug. And he was just like, hey, man, I, I just want to I just wanted to tell you, ma'am, that, you know, what you're doing for your son is awesome. You know, I've I've been in, in my band for, for years. I've I'm, I'm considered a national act. You know, our band was on, on MTV. We have music videos that are, you know, on national television. And he's like, I can't even get my, my my parents to come to my shows. I still have a hard time because they, you know, they still don't think that this is a job. 
and he's like, "That's so awesome, dude, man! That that, that there, is there are very cool that your mom is supportive, man. Because I, I think that that's one thing that a lot of musicians don't get. Man, I know that I'm not one. My parents, you know, my dad was a musician, dude. He still doesn't respect what I do. So, you know, <laughs> shout shout, yeah, shout my out mom to your, out told him. Shout out to your mom, yeah, my man, mom for being killer. Yeah, and when she saw him like getting that way, and he was kind of getting a little emotional, she just kind of grabbed him. She goes, "You know what? Tonight you're my son too, and I'll be there rooting for you." And my mom had no idea who this guy was. She didn't even know she was talking to a, a national, you know, band member. Like I was like, "Mom, that guy's actually pretty big," and she's like, "Oh, I don't care. I'm gonna root for him either way." And so when they went and played, my mom was in the front row, dude, just like, "Yeah, like just go going ham." So like, yeah, dude, to have that that on my side, like I'll never forget that, and 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 you know. I'm always grateful for that. And, and again, it, it allowed me to have those interactions with bands and, and be able to talk to them on, on a personal level. And, and again, that's why I, I had to mention Flaw as well, because their drummer's the same way. He takes his dad on tour and his dad's super cool. And Flaw is also one of the few bands. I don't know if you've ever opened for those guys, but they're also one of the few bands that no matter how big they got, even though, I mean, they've never been super huge, but they're still humble and they watch all the local bands that play in the city that they're in. They're not the type of band that sits in their van and waits to play. They're actually at the bar watching you guys. Um, and and they're open to talk to you after the show as well. So the you know, uh kudos to to Flaw as well. Yeah, that that is awesome, man, when you get to open for a band that actually does take the time to appreciate the opening acts a little bit. Like I know Edema is one band that does that. Um, and they're they're super they're super cool guys to hang out with. Yeah, I've heard good things about Edema. I've never met them, but I've I've heard a lot of good things about those guys. Yeah, that uh them were the last that was like the last band I got to hang out with was Edema. And uh I got to hang out with the singer from Orgy, which was crazy because uh <laughs> I didn't recognize him at all. So uh he definitely doesn't look the same as he did back in nineteen ninety nine, but <laughs> Yeah, one thing I have learned from being in bands, dude, and playing shows and playing with national acts, I definitely have more fun with the smaller, uh, less known bands. Um, they're they're a little more, they're still gra- like grounded pretty well, and and they're they're a lot. They haven't let their egos get to them quite yet. So um, a lot of the smaller bands are are a lot more fun to be around. They're they're more willing to drink and and have a good time. Um, go in the back, smoke some bud and just have a good time. Like the guys from mower. I don't know if you know who mower is. Um, they were a band that was pretty big in California. Um, there was a venue here in San Antonio who's not owned by the same owners anymore, but I was helping. I, my band wasn't opening, but a friend's band was opening and I was their roadie for the night. I was helping them unload and load gear. And when I took the gear out, the fucking security saw me going in and out and waited till I was done when I was going to go back into the show and watch the bands because it was head pe was headlining and mower was opening for head pe they were there the, the the road band and uh fuckers wouldn't let me back in man and they're like no there's no in and outs there's no in and outs it's like dude I'm, I'm with one of the bands like i'm a roadie and they're like nope no in and outs no in and outs and mower the vocalist saw it and he's like hey dickhead you've been watching this guy walk in and out of the building for the past 10 minutes and now you're gonna play stupid and not let him in and he goes no in and outs no in and outs so the guy from Mower comes up to me, grabs me, puts his arm around me. He's like, come with me, bro. He's like, fuck that guy. He's like, come over here. 
So he takes me over to his band and uh, they're smoking and drinking. He's like, here, man, have a beer. So I'm literally hanging out behind this venue, smoking and drinking with these guys. They're barbecuing, having a great time. And he's like, when when you're ready to go back inside, just let me know, man. I was like, well, when you guys play, I'll go in. Because at the time, lo- they just had local bands up at the time. And so when they went in, he's like, yeah, you're coming with me, bro. Like, don't even worry about it. We walked through the front door and he's just like, they're with me. Because it was me and a group of, of buddies. He's like, they're all with me. And they're like, okay, cool. Go ahead. We went in and, and had a good time. And like I said, I, it's always been really good uh, interactions with bands that aren't super, super, super big. They've always been really cool, always been super humble, and I've always had a blast with those type of guys. Yeah, man. You know, if you can keep it humble, dude, you know, I mean, you'll meet, like, the best people in the world doing this. You know, fucking – that's the one thing that I take away from being a musician, man, is when this is all said and done, I've met some of the coolest people, uh, got some of the coolest stories, man, and, you know – that might not be living life to everybody, but to me, that's a pretty cool life, you know, and it, it's definitely something that I take a lot of pride in, uh, in, in doing, you know, I mean, getting out and meeting yeah, and these it, people and, you know, getting to learn people's stories and different perspectives, man, there's just, there's so many cool things that go along with, with being in music, you know? Yeah, man. And and that's the thing is that like, I think a, a lot of people have to understand that success in general is, um, is, um, is based on your own definition. Like, I think everybody's terminology for success is going to be a little bit differently, uh, uh, defined differently. Like for me, like I would love to go on a tour, a nation, a nationwide tour. Like if I was able to do one of those, um, and just go to every state and play a show, I think I'd be okay. Like I, I, at that point, I'd be all right. If my career went further than that, that would just be icing on the cake. But for me, just to be able to do one tour, just to say that I did it for myself, you know, and I got to have that experience, that's enough for me. And some people may not agree with that and, you know, not be able to understand that, but that's okay. Again, everybody has a different definition of success for themselves. So I have friends who, you know, were comfortable with, with doing a run with one album and they just had, they had said everything they needed to say with that one album and they were good with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I love people who know what they want and they go after what they want. And then they achieve that like that. That's ultimately, I think that's the meaning of life and the meaning of being happy is you go, you know what you want, know who you are, go for it, achieve it. And then, you know, you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. I think that's a great perspective to have, man, because, you know, I'm the type of person I would rather have a million great stories to tell than a million dollars in the bank. To me, that's worth more. Agreed, you know, man. Agreed. Than the, than the money, you know, the, the experience, you can't put a price on, man, you know, and um, I think a lot of people also forget about that too. You know, that um, when you're in the middle of all this, you got to take time to enjoy the experience and, you know, like you were saying earlier about the pandemic, this kind of given us a time to reopen our eyes and relook at things and, you know, uh, come at it from a different perspective. But, um, you know, I definitely, I, uh, that the one thing that I definitely enjoy the most about being in music and doing all this is just all different types of people. And, you know, everybody lives a different life. Everybody's come from a different road. 
and uh, somehow we still have some common ground. And I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, definitely, man. And and I know from my perspective, I come from a mentality of, you know, I, I didn't have the best life growing up. I had a very abusive stepdad. I had somebody who was not only verbally, but physically and mentally abusive, uh, very uh, used to manipulate things and, and, and definitely made me feel um, lesser than I, I was. And so, you know, there were two, there were two avenues that I could have took in life. And, you know, I could have took the avenue of completely agreeing with what he was saying and let the, that completely destroy me and just become a victim of of abuse and just let that break me down and and kill any motivation that I had or you know the the road that I did take and and realize that um I am worth something and there are things that uh, I'm capable of doing and know that you know I can achieve success um and you know I basically grabbed myself by my bootstraps and I I went uh, head full, head full of steam, uh, straight into, to, uh, everything that I wanted to do. And I had to look at those challenges and instead of being afraid of those challenges and making those challenges, uh, overcome me and, and break me down further. Um, I, I went at them, you know, straight ahead and, and just did what I had to do. And, you know, life isn't easy and, you know, it's, it, it's not meant to be easy and life is going to throw challenges at you and, and you are going to run into things that, you know, you may not like, uh, but everybody has to understand that you do have a choice and not making a choice is still a choice. Um, so you have to put your best foot forward and do what you got to do and, and grind it out. And, um, you know, I, I strongly feel that, you know, nothing worth something is, is easy. Um, you have to be willing to fight for it. You have to be willing to stand by it and, 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 have a strong opinion and, and, and be able to stand your ground. And, uh, I, I think that's gotten me to where it is. And again, I try to find the positivity in everything. You know, I had a rough life. My stepdad was a fucking asshole, but at the end of the day, the positive side of that is I learned what I didn't want to become. Like seeing him made me decide that I don't want to be that way. And the way he treated me, I'll never, I've made a vow to never treat my kids the way he treated me. So the silver lining in that is that I got to learn what I don't want to be. And so I, I, I live my life by that. And, and like I said, I, I'm trying so hard to distinguish any kind of hate um, around my, my, my universe. Like, I don't want to be bothered by that stuff. And it's very hippy-dippy to say, but I, I, I want to just be in a, in a world surrounded by love and, and, and passion, you know? I, I agree, man. That hippy-dippy attitude needs to come back, man. I think, like I said earlier, more people... More people need that, dude. You know, I we would be so much better uh, in the long run if we could just take a step back and try to kill the bad parts of ourselves a little bit, embrace well, the better. Conversations like this know? help. I th I think conversations like this help, and I think there needs. I'm that's why I'm I'm so glad that there's such a, a huge jump and and people who want to do podcasts and people who want to have those tough conversations, people who want to. Um, you know, who are open to other people's opinions. Um, you know, that's the positive that I see coming from the uh, huge amount of podcasters. And it's one thing that I love. And that's why I want to do the circuit that I'm doing as far as being a guest on other people's podcasts is I want to be a part of that community. I want to be a part of that, that spreading of positivity because like, you know, I, 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 in my bones, I believe that there needs to be more positivity and 
allowing us to have these conversations and allowing us to sit down and talk to people we don't know. Like I didn't know you before this. And right. I, you know, I, I've had a great time being here with you and, and having that discussion. And, you know, I, those more and more of those discussions are happening every day. And, and that's, what's really cool. Um, and once we, we start to learn to, to have those conversations and also learn to listen to each other and not be judgy, um, just because you may not agree with with the person you're you're having the discussion with, if we could all learn to find common ground, we'll be way better, man. We'll be way better off. But we're we're getting there, and we're we're going in the right direction. So I hope it goes. I hope it continues in that trajectory, and and we're able to to become better as as a society for sure. I agree, man. You know, it's it's not anything that'll go away overnight, but I definitely agree that we are uh, hopefully in the upswing of being able to get back together and you know the divide in the country man it, it's just crazy you know how you got a, a pretty deep there hey buddy there <clears throat> hello Can't hear you, buddy. Hey there, bud. It's like, um, I can, I think you're talking, but it's like really choppy. It sounds like a, like a, a robot. No. Uh, hang on. There we go. See, there we go. I can hear you. Now. Uh, yeah, it was doing this like sound like you were uh, doing like uh, predator clicking or something. <laughs> I'm malfunctioning over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man. Anyway, sorry, the app is giving me a hard time. No worries. So. No worries. Technology is the best, though, but it still has its flaws. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're talking about how these things bring us together as we're getting disconnected. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Real quick, man, before I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute, but, uh, before you go, is taco cabana still a thing down there. It is, but it is not the same. They have, uh, um, in, in the process of them kind of, I don't want to say rebranding themselves, but they've definitely tried to make it, their restaurants look a little more modern. I think they they've kind of they've they've missed the boat, man. They the restaurants look really cool on the inside now, but the food has taken a, a huge hit. Huh. That sucks because honestly, like I said, I spent a summer in San Antonio and I couldn't tell you what the inside of a taco cabana looks like because I just <laughs> used the drive through. But I really enjoyed the food, man. Yeah, and that's a bummer. It's a hit or miss, man. Uh depending on what side of town you're on, you can get a good one. Um, there are, it's, I mean, a lot of the fast food places around here are kind of falling. Our Wendy's are disappearing. Our Jack in the boxes are starting to disappear. Um, I only know of like two Burger Kings that are left on my side of town. Um, they're just kind of going away. So, but Taco Cabana, I I do go there occasionally. Uh, I do have to get my TC fix. So, um, if you're ever in San Antonio, still try it. But, um, if it comes out kind of crappy, don't be too disappointed because it's a hit or miss. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, 
you said earlier too that you're also helping your wife develop a makeup line. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yes. How the hell does one get into makeup? <laughs> uh, she kind of does the same thing I do, man. We just, um, you know, I I told her to kind of. She's seen everything that I'm doing, and she got kind of inspired by it. Like I said, I do a uh, pod, so I, I have like three or four different t-shirt brands that I'm working on, and then I'm doing the podcast, doing music, and she sees all this stuff that I'm doing, and she basically was like, you know what? I'm because I quit my job. I used I I quit my nine to five. Uh, when I released this podcast uh, in October, I said, you know what? I'm tired of working nine to fives, man. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of working for somebody else's dream. I'm tired of them uh, making me do the workload of of like three people. And I'm the only guy there. Like, screw this. I'm done. And uh, so she saw that mentality and she's seen me put my effort into what I'm doing. And it kind of inspired her to do it. So I was like, well, you know, find what you want to do. And she was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, well, think about it. And, um, she's always been into lip glosses and lip scrubs and stuff like that. And, um, she used to make me like face scrubs and stuff back in the day, just like experimenting with stuff that she would see on YouTube and stuff like that. And, um, so when she really kind of started thinking seriously about it, she started really delving into research and she's been, I told her, I was like, you know, you need to look at, uh, what kind of containers you're going to use, uh, all the materials you're going to need, think about your overhead. And so I'm kind of being the analytical guy for her. And she's just learning how to make the product. Um, I don't know how she's learning, but she's learning. And uh, she, she's been messing around with resin as well. Um, she's learning how to make stuff out of resin. Like she wants to make little like cute uh, cube night lights with resin. And she's going to be making our costumes for uh, the Among War stuff when I'm ready to do shows. She said she's down to make the cosplay type style costumes and stuff like that. So she's a lot like me in the sense that, you know, uh, I think the problem with a lot of people is when they think about things, they overthink it and they kind of scare themselves. Uh, whereas me and my wife, we're more of the let's jump off the cliff and build our wings on the way down and just hope that we are able to. I love that attitude, man. <laughs> I love that attitude. That's awesome. So she just kind of she's just going with it and she's just trying to to figure it out. But like I said, um, you know, we we didn't want to because I told her I was like, well, if you want to sell makeup, just get with one of those like the bigger companies, the Avons or whatever that crap is. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Cause I don't want to get sucked into like an MLM or, you know, a pyramid scheme. She's like, if I'm going to build something, I want to build it from scratch. I want to make a brand and I want it to be mine and I want to own it completely. I don't want to rely on anybody else and build it from the ground up. And I was like, that's the kind of attitude to have. That's America for you. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's awesome, man. So do you guys got like a company name or anything for that yet? Or still working on all that? Um, yeah. She hasn't come up publicly with all of that stuff yet. Um, you know, she's going to wait, we're going to get an LLC and all that stuff and go through all the legal channels first before we release all that. Um, but she's, she's floating with some ideas. I've, I've, I've thrown some designs at her and some kind of ideas and stuff like that. And, um, so she's, you know, she's still working. It's still very new. Um, we're kind of waiting till later this year to to start getting the supplies and everything. So I don't see her launching her stuff probably until either late 2021, early 2022. And that that's when that stuff will probably start. Uh, you'll start seeing that stuff come out. That's awesome, man. Best of luck. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in a great place right now mentally. Um, I was very scared to quit my job because, you know, I'm the man of the house, I have two kids. Um, and the wife was really cool. Uh, when we had our first daughter, oh, who's going to be turning five this year, the first year that she was born, my wife took off of work 
and I busted my ass. I was working six days a week, 12 hour shifts. And I was just, I was killing myself and she was able to stay home with, with, with our first child. And, and she loved it. She basically brought that up when I was having this dilemma about, you know, my job and all this stuff. She's like, look, man, she's like, you did it for me. Uh, I'm willing to do it for you. So take the time off that you need. Um, she understands that building a business is not, it doesn't take overnight. You know, it's, it, I'm in it for the long haul and she knows that it's going to take probably a good two to three years before we start seeing a real return on, on, on our investment. And when I mean investment, I mean the time that I'm putting into it. Um, and she understands that being an entrepreneur, you're going to work free for a while. Um, so she's been very understanding. And, and like I said, if anything, she sees all the stuff that I've been doing and it's, it's ignited a, a flame inside her that wants to do it as well. So, um, you know, we got lucky with the pandemic as well. Working from home is becoming a more of a thing. So she got lucky to get a job from home. So she works from home. So I do most of my interviewing while she's working because I can't be in there bugging her anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to it, it, it. I'm a procrastinator still. And I have to do things to keep my mind going and keep myself motivated to move. So the fact that she works from home is a huge plus because it motivates me to be like, I can't be out in the living room. I have to be doing something. So instead of wasting my time laying down in bed, watching YouTube videos, I might as well get up and be on my computer and getting shit done. Um, at the same time, she's getting stuff done. So it's, 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 it's a huge motivator for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You definitely sound like you stay busy, my friend, you know, uh, and sounds like you got a lot, lot going on. Uh, once once you uh stop allowing fear of uh failing um kind of uh keep you from doing things you you tend to just start going and and just start doing stuff you know i was afraid to be a guest on 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 people's shows um you know just i would get nervous about it uh, i was afraid to have guests on my show uh doing the remote thing like i was going to wait until i had a new place a bigger place and i was going to start inviting people over to my house and, um, you know, I was afraid to do the remote thing. And now that I've, and again, it was, I was afraid because I didn't know what I was getting into and now doing it. I just had that conversation with the wife prior to coming and doing the interview with you. I told her, I was like, I'm really getting challenged in this next week. I have a bunch of lineups of, of podcast interviews, both being a guest and having people on my show. And I'm having a lot of new things coming where I've never recorded somebody else. And so I'm having fun editing that. And then I started using a new software. I'm having fun using that. And on Friday, I'm doing my first uh, three-way type call. So I'm gonna have two guests uh, on my show, and and that's gonna be its own, you know, learning curve on on how to record all that and get all that done. So, you know, like I said, once you learn to to face face that fear and face that self doubt, self doubt is, is such a huge thing. And and if anybody's listening to this, if you do want to go check out my 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 show, the Cognitive Discourse. You know, check out those monologues before you check out the the first the, the the full length episodes. My monologues are about two minutes long, and I do one about self doubt. You know, and and I and I feel that like people are their their worst critic, and if you can overcome that, um, and you can allow yourself to just do it, you will see a change not only in yourself but in your life in general. You will have a a different perspective on life and. Uh, one that's positive for sure. You're gonna fail, and it's okay to fail. It's but it, it comes down to how are you going to um, react to that failure? Are you going to let it eat at you and destroy you, or are you going to take that failure and take it as a learning experience and 
figure out what you did wrong so you can fix it and be better than you were yesterday. Yeah, definitely, man. That I, the best way my, in my personal experience of getting over the, the fear thing is the, the fear of failing is honestly just learning from failing, Yep. you know, take and, and learn something from it. And, you know, once you failed a couple of times, you kind of get a little bit more ballsy about being able to say, Hey, you know what? I'll give this a try. Get calloused. <laughs> and yeah, man. I mean, exactly. You burn your hand enough and eventually it stops. Hurting, yep. You know, <laughs> um, so real quick, man, because I'm terrible uh, about doing this, but where can people check out your podcast? Where can people check out the music? Um, what, what are your links here? Uh, for the podcast, the podcast is called The Cognitive Discourse, and you can find that um, pretty much on all major uh, streaming services. Uh, there's a few that I haven't got on yet, but the, for the big ones like Spotify, I am on Spotify. Uh, I am on like Deezer and some of the smaller ones. Uh, you can just go to Buzzsprout as well and find me there if you want to listen free. I also have a YouTube channel for Cognitive Discourse. So you, just, you can just type in the search bar of the Cognitive Discourse and my channel will pop up. Um, and again, there I have all my all the audio versions are on there uh, for right now. Um, I, for the monologues, I do take some video time, uh, some time in the video editing to uh, actually put the words there so you can follow along. So you're not just staring at a at a logo the entire time. Um, eventually, once I start having uh, guests come, I'm still kind of battling if I want to do video yeah, that- or the remote stuff. All right, everybody. So apparently Anchor FM is giving me and my buddy Joseph a hard time. So he signed off. He said goodbye. He loves you all. And he wants you to go check out his music. And I agree. You definitely should go check out Among War on YouTube um, and follow everything that Joseph's doing, man. I'm very thankful that he took the time out of his busy schedule to sit down with me and be here on the podcast and uh, was such a great guest. I'm very fascinated about this guy. Um, not only is he a musician, but he's also eating Taco Cabana. And, you know, as, as a fat dude who live, lives in the Midwest, I, I miss me some Taco Cabana. So um, go check out Among War, though. Listen to his podcast, man. He's got a bright mind. Very talented, and I think that if you like me and you support this podcast, you should go and support everything that he's doing. So uh, until next time, stay safe.